worship, and that was just amazing, man. God is just so awesome. God is just so awesome, man. <sighs> I thought I had about two more minutes to collect myself, uh, but I didn't. So, um, thank you guys so much for being here. Um, yeah, thank you guys for being here this morning. Um, we're uh, second to last message in this series. Next week is Easter. Next week is going to be just an amazing, amazing time in our church. We're just going to celebrate just the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we're going to baptize um, good many people next week. It's just going to be a beautiful thing, and I just want to remind you guys, anybody, 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 anybody that wants to be baptized, um, just get a hold of me this week, um, and we're going to do that next week. And, and if, you've just, if you've been coming to this church for just a little while, and you've given your heart to the Lord, and, and maybe no one knows about it, or you've been... Uh, You've been out of church for a long time, and you've just you just had a moment with the Lord. You've just back, and um, and, and you want to you want to make that public announcement. Next week's the time to do it. If uh, if you just have a radical moment with Christ today, um, and you want to do it, or if you just get here next week, and um, we're gonna have some towels and some extra sweatpants and stuff like that for anybody that just that just feels like they want to um, make that public acknowledgement of Jesus Christ um, next week. So that's gonna be next week. There's just gonna be a good, great just gospel message to go along with it, and I'm just excited about that. And today's message um, is going to be very, very just simple. It's just going to be very, 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 very simple. And um, it's one that, one, I had complicated it a little bit, um, and then my PowerPoint disappeared. Um, and I don't know where it went, but I feel like it was a, uh, just, a, uh, just another thing that God did in order to orchestrate um, the message today. So I'd like you to do just something with me. If it's your first time uh, here with us, I just want to thank you so much for being here um, Everybody, if we could just take a few minutes, I'm going to pray here in just a second, and, and I'm just ask that you just clear your hearts and clear your minds and just give God about 30, 30 40 minutes at the most um, just to speak to you and to move in your heart and to move in your life and to move into the heart and the life of the person that's next to you or your wife or your husband or your spouse, and maybe they're not even here this morning, but that if you'll just spend a few minutes um, just just clearing your mind and asking God to speak to us this morning, asking God to just to let his will be done this morning and and just to have his way. Uh, I pray, Lord God, right now that you'll just let your spirit rest in this room, Father God. I pray, Lord, right now that you would just let your presence uh, rest in this room, God, that you would let your anointing rest on me, God, that you will take every ounce of me out of this, every ounce of my thinking, every ounce of my knowledge, every ounce of, of my flesh, Lord God, that you would just reign supreme in this room this morning, Father. And I pray, God, that you would just let your spirit um, just lead us, God, that you will speak to the hearts and the minds of the men and the women in this room, Lord God, no matter what their week was like, no matter where they came from this morning, Father God, whether it was good or if it was bad, Father where they're going afterwards, Lord God, that just right now in this moment, Lord, I believe that the people who are supposed to be in this room are in this room, Lord, that you would just let your spirit speak to the depths of their heart, God. It's your word says that the deep calls out unto the deep, God. Just let the deepest part of your spirit, the deepest part of your word, the deepest part of your presence, God, just penetrate the deepest part of our soul this morning, God, that you would just speak to the depths of our hearts, God, that you would just consume us in this room, Lord God. I relent to you this morning. I give you the highest authority. I give everything that I to you, God. I surrender you completely this morning, Lord. Just speak to us this morning, just in a, in a miraculous way, Lord God. Just open up our hearts to you and your holy and your precious name. Amen. Um, over the last year or two, we've had, um, we've had a good many, not on a mass scale, we've had a good many little building things we've had to do. We've had to do this thing here. We built this last year. It was the greatest, uh, worst experience of my life. Uh, I loved it um, uh, and hated it all in the same time. It was just, you know, you ever, you ever feel like a fish out of water or doing something you're incredibly unqualified to do? 
that's how I feel like the majority of my life in every arena of it. And, um, and that's, it was just one of those things. But through that and, and through one that we, the expansion project that we've been working on, I've learned a little bit about building, a little bit how it works, a little bit about general contractors and contractors and architects and, and everything. And, um, and pretty much the way it, it, you know, it works is that the architect um, it will sit with whoever it is that he's, he's doing the plans for or, uh, and he'll, he'll start to design the building. He'll start to, he'll start to design the rooms. He'll start to draw it out on the little, on the little paper, and it'll start with a picture, and, and he'll just he'll put a lot of time into it, a lot of time in some cases, a whole heck of a lot of time in some cases, just immeasurable, unknown amounts of time in some places. It just takes months and months and months and months and months. When I want it drawn in five minutes, it takes six months. It's okay, though. Um, I'm learning patience, but they spend a lot of time articulating this plan and drawing this plan out and, and, and putting the walls where the walls need to go, and, and they go to school to learn all this stuff. They have this just immense amount of knowledge about building. They, did, they know where outlets and, and the electricity and, and, the, and the framework and the, and the foundation and the stuff. They know how to build it so that the walls won't fall over and kill your dogs, and, and they know how to build it that, that the electricity will work when it's supposed to work and that it won't, be, it won't get blown. There's not too much power, and they, they spend all this time building and planning, and, and, and they'll talk to, you know, whoever's building, whether it's, you know, it's a, a person building it or a, or a church building it or a business building it, and they'll, but he'll go in and he'll design all of this planning because he knows where everything's supposed to go. He knows where everything's supposed to be. He knows how it's supposed to work. And so he'll build, he'll build all this, and then he will take the plans, and he'll give it to the, the general contractor, and the general contractor will then uh, start to build a house, and the general contractor will, you know, he'll call the, the foundation, you know, people. They'll come out, and they'll start digging the foundation of the house, and they'll, they'll come in, and they'll, they'll put the concrete where the concrete's supposed to go so that they'll have the, the, uh, the, the foundation that it needs so that it doesn't sink here or sink there, and, and that's a huge part of building, and they'll plan that out, and the builder will, you know, the contractor will go and contract that work out, and then, you know, he'll go get the Framers and they'll start to build the, the frame uh, of the house, the structure of the walls, the wood, and then he'll he'll somebody will come in and insulate it, and he'll get the electricians, and the electricians will come out and and they'll look at the plans that the architect drew, and and they'll start uh, building the the electrical part of it. They'll start wiring it, and they'll put start putting the outlets where the architect said to put the outlets, and the lights where he said to put the lights, and the switches where he put the uh, said to put the switches, and they'll come in with the air, you know, air and heat, and they'll they'll do that according to the according to the plans, and 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 they'll just do that. I'll way up and then they'll come in they'll put the drywall and then they'll come in the finishing touches with the paint and the roof and in everything in a house everything is just it's very 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 on purpose you need everything I mean everything you don't think about the necessity of it but imagine if your roof was designed just a little bit different the water would pile up in one area in just a short amount of time it would rot the wood and it would sink through and you have you know a, a pretty pretty bad problem that's how it's supposed to work the architect he has the knowledge he has the plans and he knows what it's supposed to be and he works it together and he spends a lot of time drawing invests a lot of time in it, and he gives it over to the general contractor, and the general contractor builds the house, and he contracts it out to the different electricians and air and framers and all that, and that's how it's supposed to work. Now, imagine if, if that the, the builder, the contractor, he, he stopped kind of following the plans, or, and, and that maybe, maybe that he just kind of gave it to the, uh, gave it to the framer and, you know, and didn't give the framer the plans, and the framer just kind of took it upon himself to just start building, building rooms wherever he was supposed to, wanted to build rooms, and he just built a, a wall here and a wall there, and, and, uh, and then the electrician maybe came in behind him, and, and he just kind of put an outlet, you know, he just saw we need an outlet, and we need, you know, we need electrical work, we need a light, and we need a switch, and he just started putting that wherever he was supposed to, you know, just putting it wherever he wanted to put it. And what you would have, I mean, you would still have the same thing as you had if you followed the plans of the architect. You would still have four walls. I mean, you would still have lights. 
You would still have switches. You would still have electricity. You would still have power. You would still have a floor. You'd still have a ceiling. You would still have everything that you had if you followed the plans. But imagine if you walked into a room and it was pitch black dark and you couldn't find the switch anywhere. Just imagine that. Imagine, imagine that if you, if you found out later that if you walked into this dark room and there were four walls and that the switch was actually on the opposite wall of the entrance of the door and it was 10 feet high. I mean, just think about that for a second. I know you never thought about it in your life before. You never, you don't really, we don't think about how important the placement of certain things are. Somebody thought about that. If you were to walk in and you were to go to the general contractor and you say, listen, dude, uh, uh, I'm not a giant and the switch is 10 feet tall on the wall. And he said, you know what? Once you stop complaining, there's a lot of people that don't even have switches. How many, I mean, I would hit him. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I would, it would make me, I would spend a lot of money to build me a house, and now I've got a room. And if he just said, you got four walls, but what if you walked in and you had all the outlets? You, had, you, you needed three outlets in this room, and they're all in the same corner right next to each other. 20-foot room, three outlets, and they're all, they're all right next to each other. There's no... It's no use. There's no point in that. You walk in and, and the light, what, what if the light wasn't in the center of the room where it made a lot of sense? What if the light was on the floor? No, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, just, I know it sounds dumb, but I mean, just think about it. You've got, the, he comes in, you've got the lights, you've got the everything you have, but now you've got a room that's absolutely what? Pointless, useless, worthless, nothing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how, how you, you still got to pay them because they did the labor, I mean, there was a lot of work that went involved. There was a lot of time spent. I mean, the same amount of work went into building this, this thing of a room, this scary, in a scary movie maze, somebody dies in it room. I mean, that's what this is. I mean, imagine if you had a front porch and you were to walk up the front porch and, you, and it's like, you know, they built sometimes five, six feet high and there's the stairs and you walk up the stairs and you walk in, you knock on the door and you go into the house and, it, and that's how it's supposed to work. You've never really thought about this not working any other way, right? I mean, honestly. You've never really thought about the way. But what if you had the stairs, but the stairs were 25 feet this direction, just headed into the wall? And you had the porch seven, eight feet high, and every time you came home, you had to literally leap up and grab and pull yourself up on the stairs. And then if you went and you went up to the door and there, there was no doorknob, the doorknob there is just connected to the window. I mean, I know this sounds stupid, but I'm just like, let's just... Think for a second. I mean, you've still got the stairs. You've got the porch. Somebody built it. Uh, somebody contracted it out. You paid for it. It's all there. It's sitting right there. It's just what? It's useless. It's pointless. Why? Right? Because it's not being built according to the plans. Just because you know how to do electrician work doesn't mean you know how to build a house. And just because, just because you know how to install a, a heat in an air unit doesn't know, mean you know how to build a house. Right? Just because you know how to lay carpet down doesn't mean, just because you have the ability to lay carpet down doesn't mean that you know how to build a house. And see, what, what happened, what these people did is they put themselves in a position they weren't qualified to do. Right? That's what they see. And everybody thinks in your mind, in your heart, in your mind, you think that the general contractor is in control of the deal. The general contractor is not in control. You think, that, you think that he is, but he's not. Why? Why is he not in control? Because he's following the plans of who? The architect. So the architect, he's got all the knowledge. He's got all the wisdom. He's gone to school. He's got his degree. He's got his engineering degree or whatever it is that architects do when they go to architect school. I can't even spell architect. 
Right? They know, they understand, they've gone, they've learned this. So they know why the frame has got to be built like this. They know why the foundation's got to be built like this. It all makes sense to them. He knows it doesn't make sense to you. So he puts it in a way, he designs it in a way. He actually builds the house, the general contractor and all them. They're just, they're just tools, really, to build the house that the architect designed. The architect is the one that's in control. And when the general contractor starts to think that he's the one in control and he starts building the house the way he wants to build the house, not according to the plans, and what's going to happen is is he's going to spend a lot of work, he's going to spend a lot of time, he's going to spend a lot of money, and at the end of the day, he's going to have a house filled with rooms and filled with power and filled with electricity and filled with all this other stuff, but that house is not going to be built according to the way that the architect designed the house to be built. And he may spend weeks and he may spend months, but at the end of the day, when he gets done building up the house, if it wasn't according to the way that the architect decided to build the house, you have just spent tons and tons of money and time wasted on building a house that serves no purpose purpose in society at all in your life because we didn't follow the plans of the architect. You guys know where I'm going yet? All right. Solomon, wisest, Bible says, wisest man in the world. Before him, after him, nobody as wise as Solomon. Secular historians have come to the conclusion that very more than likely the Bible is accurate in that Solomon was the wealthiest man. There was no other king or kingdom wealthier than he was or since then. He just had everything. When the world kind of smaller at the time and you own everything, you're a wealthy person. Kings and queens came and bowed uh, down to Solomon to seek the wisdom and the help and the insight of this, this great man of God. And this is what Solomon says. And just to kind of put this in, you know how like on the weekends, we're like, what are we going to do this weekend? We're going to go play golf, not me because I hate golf. I love disc golf now. I got introduced to it recently. Disc golf is my favorite type of golf because it takes all the things that I hate about golf away from the game, which is golf. <laughs> I hate golf. And when we on the weekends, I said, I'm going to go have some fun. I want to go, go play disc golf or I want to go hang out with my friends or I want to go work out. That's how Solomon like built nations. We're like, let's go watch some TV tonight. And he's like, let's go build a temple. All right, he's got gardens that rival society. I mean, he, he, this man spent his entire life building up things that we to this day study and are amazed at the way and he was able to do the things that he did. And this is, what, this is what this great builder of cities and great builder of temples and great, this is what he has to say about life in general. In Psalm 127, he says this. He says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Solomon says, listen, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. He says it doesn't matter the wealth. It doesn't matter the money. It doesn't matter the wisdom. It doesn't matter the insight. It doesn't matter the intellect. It doesn't matter what you think is right or what you think is wrong. It doesn't matter how long you toil. It doesn't matter if you have the grade. It doesn't matter what you do. If, if, if you're building the house... And he goes in to talk about children and wives and husbands and families. This is, this is an analogy of our life. He says, if you're building up the house 
and it's not the Lord building it. Everything that you do, everything that you accomplish, it's all in vain because it's not according to the plan. It's not according to the bill. It's not according to God. It's not according to the great architect of life. He goes on to say, listen, even if you stay up all night to guard the city and the watchman stays up all night and he guards the city and there's a thousand watchmen on the tower, says, but if God's not protecting the city, it's all in vain. It's all worthless. In our day and age, it would go something like this. It doesn't matter. Even if you were to keep your job and you were to secure some type of savings and you were to find a pot of gold and you were to hide it under your mattress and invest it in investments accounts and you, and you because in our, this day and age, what, what do we think secures us? We have financial security and financial stability. And, and he says, even if you had that, even if you had the savings, even if you had the investments accounts, even if you had gold itself and you had the money, at the end of the day, if you worked your whole life to try to build some type of security around your life, if God is not the one protecting you, if God is not the one watching over you, if God is not the one you're depending on, it's all in vain. It's all worthless. This is a man who had it all. This is a man who had all the wealth in the world. This is a man who had all the power in the world and, and like 2,000-something concubines. It makes me think maybe he wasn't the wisest man in the world. Anybody know what a concubine is? Look it up. Not in church. Not in church. They didn't cook. Let just say that. All right, this man, this man had everything he could ever want and thing, and he says, listen, it's all worth it. If it's not God that secures you, if it's not God that is over you, if it's not God that protects you, everything that you do, all that you work, you work in vain. And he goes on to say, listen, you get up early in the morning, and you work hard, and you stay up late at night, and you think, and you strategize, and you go to bed. And he said, it's all, it's all worthless. It's anxious toil. And then he ends. Go back one. And then he ends, and he ends with this right here. I love this. He says, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So this is, what, this is what Solomon's saying. He's saying, listen, he said, guys, I want you to understand something. You can work your whole life, and man, we do this. this for many of us, this is the story of our life. I'm not going to speak for you. For much of my life, and my greatest struggle even now, is this to be the story of my life. I work hard to build up our house. Work hard to, to, to get the job we think we want or we need. Work hard to make that, that certain amount of salary. Work hard to, to build up our business, to work hard to, to build up our family, to work hard to, to get the things. And, and we work and we work and we work. Don't we work? I mean, don't we? I mean, seriously, don't we work? We work hard. We toil in this earth. And he says, listen, it doesn't matter what you're building. It doesn't matter how hard you're working. None of that matters. If you are not building it according to the plan of the architect, it is all worthless. And he closes it with this. It's vain that you, it's vain that you build. It's vain that you try to watch and secure and protect. It's vain that you rise up early to work hard and you stay and you're, and you're late to go to bed because you're working. He said, it's all, you're eating the bread of anxious toil. And he said, it's all for he gives to his beloved sleep. So he's saying, you can do all that. You can build your house. You can work hard. You can do all that. He said, but at the end of the day, you're still not going to have any peace. At the end of the day, you're still not going to have any peace in your life. You're still going to be anxious. You're not going to have any satisfaction in your life. You're still going to need more. You're still going to want more. At the end of the day, now I want you to think how depressing this is. I'm going to depress you this morning. Aren't you excited? Aren't you? Somebody said, no, shut up. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to work your whole life. Some of us are going to do this. This is going to be you. You're going to work your whole life, and you're going to achieve so many of the goals. And as soon as you achieve them, you're going to realize that that wasn't the one. That wasn't what satisfied me. And you're going to do another one, and you're going to work for another one. And there's a lot of driven people. There's a lot of successful people who are accomplishing their goals. But if you ask them the truth, at the end of the day, when they accomplish them, there's always something else that needs to be accomplished. Why? 
because they never find any satisfaction. They never find any peace. And there's a lot of people in this world. There's a lot of people in this room. And it's probably my greatest temptation to spend my entire life working for my house and working for my kingdom and not doing what God has called me to do and not, not allowing me to build my life according to the plans of God. And at the end of the day, no matter what I acquire, it will all be worthless. Because I want you to do a test. I want you to go home and I want you to set your house on fire and see if it burns. Please, nobody do that. We don't have any money for you to sue us. It's your own fault if you go home and burn your house down. The point is, is if you set your house on fire, what will happen? It will burn to the ground. Go to your bank account. Get all the cash out. All right, for me, it's $17.87. Get all the cash out. Put it in a pile. Light it on fire. Tell me what happens. It will burn. Seriously, it will burn. Everything in your life that we place so much value on, Solomon says, Christ reiterates back to it. It's worthless and it's in vain because it can burn. It will burn. It's temporary. At the end of the day, it's worthless. And so Solomon, who has everything, he says, listen, unless it's God that's building up your house, Unless it's got all your work, all your vein, it's all, it's all worthless. All your to- unless it's God that's building you up. Unless it's, unless it's the plans of God that's leading you to build what you're building. And it doesn't matter what you build. It doesn't matter how long or how hard you work. It doesn't matter how much you save up. It doesn't matter what you accomplish. It doesn't matter what's in your bank. It doesn't matter if it's not God. Because it, and here's the, this, the, this is the, dep- the, the depressing part. You think you're in control of this life, and you are sadly being fooled. It's the greatest deceit of man. In all of our knowledge, in all of our great science, in all of our medicine, there are still small, little, itty-bitty viruses that wipe humanity off the face of the earth. You're not in control of anything. One branch that falls, one strike of lightning, house, gone. Stock market dips, economy, gone. Doesn't matter how many dollars you have in your bank account. Did you know this? This is something's pretty scary. I read this. You know the news, full, fun, full, scary facts. People are trying to get the oil changed into a different currency. And if that accomplishes, what happens to the value of the dollar? Stockbrokers, out of windows. It's happened before. Happened again. Anybody in here in control of that? You send your kids. You put them on the bus. You drive them to school. You drop them off. You in control of what happens at school? Are you in control of what happens in school? You think you are. You want to be. But you're not in control of anything. I don't want you to think of horrible things. But at the end of the day, be honest with yourself. You can't protect your kids. Despite your best effort, despite your desire, despite when, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you drop your kids off. You send them over to somebody's house to play. You put them on that school bus. You go to work. At the end of the day, you are not in control of anything. They say every single day, in America, every single day, the average person four inches away from death every day just for the sake of car crashes. We're not in control. I'm not trying to make you sad. I'm not trying to make, I'm trying to get you to understand something. You think you're in control and you are not in control 
of anything, of nothing. I now think about some positive things. You ready? Think about some of the best things that's ever happened to your life. Seriously, don't, don't, please don't say money. Talk about maybe your wife. Talk about maybe, maybe your husband. Talk about you, you found the career, the job that you loved when so many others have. Think about the greatest things. Do you know, I love my wife with all my heart. She's my favorite thing on the planet. I love it. I love her. I feel so lucky because I'm such an idiot. All right? Did I go looking for her? I mean, think about, think about the way you met your spouse. Some of it may be comical. Some of it you may not want to talk about in church. <laughs> but I mean, think away, you weren't looking for that, were you? I mean, were you, you wake up that day and you go, man, you know what, I think I'm going to go meet my wife today. First woman I see, I'm going to marry her. Some of us do that. It's called Vegas. Never works out well. <laughs> but I mean, think about, think about, somebody's laughing too loud. I'm not even going to look over in the direction. Somebody's like, hey, there we go. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Right, we, don't, we don't see things. Man, we, we don't plan. God, I love God. You're awesome. <laughs> we don't plan some of the greatest things in our life. Now, listen, this is going to get weird. Teenagers, cover your ears. Kids, you should be in the other room. Parents can't get mad at me. All right. You know what you got to do to have kids, right? But you don't make kids, right? Because you can, you can do the thing all the time. Is it awkward yet? New people are like, ah. <laughs> Stupid website's so deceiving. He looks so normal. He looks so normal on the website. <laughs> it's called marketing, and you're welcome. <laughs> But I mean, at the end of the day, man, we don't, we don't I mean, because there's people that, people that, that do the thing. Never should use the Bible in that situation. <laughs> there's the people that do the thing, but at the end of the day, they do the thing over and over, and, and they don't have kids. Listen, at the end of the day, you don't create kids. You don't, you don't pick. You, don't, you, you look at her, you look at him, and he's so beautiful, and he's so amazing. And, and guess what, dude? You didn't design them, did you? You didn't in no way, shape, or form or in any point of control in that gift, it's not up there, and I'm not going to read it, but right after he says this, right after he says this, he goes in and he starts talking about just the blessing and the gift that children are. He goes into that, and he just talks about how beautiful they are and just, the, just how, what a blessing they are for, for young men and young women to just have, have children. They're a blessing. It's a gift, and you didn't, you, didn't go, you didn't design them. You wish maybe you had some insight in some things, like, you know, take their quick mouth away or their sarcasm and their disrespect or pretty much everything that I was as a child. I mean, you, you can't, you can't, you didn't, you didn't design them, did you? There's some of the greatest things that ever happened to your life, if you're really honest with yourself, and you had zero control in that, didn't you? Just zero control. I can't wait to be a father. And we go back and forth about little baby Jordan Junior. <laughs> and Rain, our daughter. I'm just kidding. I always mess with Courtney. She hates that name. If your name's Rain, beautiful name. Just not for us. 
But I can't, I mean, I think I know what I want. I think I would, you know, but at the end of the day, like, who, like, it's, I could never design my child the way that God designs my child. And you think that you're in control, man. You think you are. You think you are in control, but you are not in control. Not of the bad things and not of the good things. And we want to be, man. We want to be, don't we? And we want to think we are. And we, we want to grow. I mean, we want to, but at the end of the day, we're not in control of anything. God is in control of everything. He is the master architect that designs the world. He is the one that, that builds up our house. He is the one, and, and there's a lot of times when we go through things in our life that we hate and we can't understand, and a lot of times it's because God is trying to get you to get back on to the plans that he's designed for you, and you're trying to go a different direction and out of his love for you. Sometimes he's got he's to he's whip you a little bit, like if you're breaking in a, a Bronco. I've experienced that a lot in my life. There was, a, there was a lot of things that I wanted to go do, a lot of directions I wanted to go down, a lot of people that I, that I wanted to go do business with and do this and do that, and, and God had to, there was a lot of times, and it was not always pleasant. In fact, it was pretty painful sometimes. He had to come in, he had to break me, and he had to, he had to mold me, he had to move me, and the, and the Spirit of God began to work in my life. And It's hard sometimes when, you, when you're going through it to really think that it's God or really see that it's God, but when you're on the other side, you can look back and you see it as plain as day that the hand of God was on you. As he brings you back to that. I was thinking about this week because um, we, we we, I was telling somebody about the history of, of just the last, you know, one or two years. And, and, um, the, and just be, the guy asked me a question. It was kind of, yeah, I think he meant it as a compliment. You know, it was one of those backhanded questions. Um, I don't, you know. This, this is kind of how he said it. And he said, first off, he referred to me as the mighty dollar preacher. That was the first thing he did. This used to be a mighty dollar building back in the day. And he referred to me as the mighty. He looked me up and down. He had a suit and tie on. I own a suit and tie. I just never wear it. He had a suit and tie, and he just looked me up and down, and he was just like, you're the mighty dollar preacher. <laughs> I, heard, I heard God's just doing some awesome things over there. I heard you, know, I heard you guys bought the building. I heard you guys are growing real fast. How did you guys do that? Looking at me directly like that. I was like, well, I really have no idea, to be honest with you. You think about just in the last two years, just, just in the last two years of, what, of, what's just, of what's happened. I mean, we're sitting over there. We didn't, have, we didn't plan this building. Because I, I had about 10 other places on my list that I was calling it that I wanted to go to. All right? And in my plans, I wasn't planning on this building. This building just fell into our lap. Did I, did I know that the owner on this building was a, a millionaire associate pastor in Chicago that just randomly owned this building and was like, hey, you know what? I'll give you a deal you, you can't refuse to be able to buy the building when, you, when normally you would never be able to afford it. We didn't, I mean, we didn't plan that, but now we have it, right? Maybe our leadership gets a little bit of credit for it, a little bit of glory for it in the eyes of other people, but at the end of the day, if you were on our leadership team, you would know that we're not that smart. <laughs> and that when we sat down to plan that was just a, we didn't really know what to do. And that's why for me, it's real, I, we just, let's just pray about it. That way it's God's fault if it doesn't work out. <laughs> I mean, but you just, you think about the things that have happened. You think about the people that have shown up into the church. You think about at the right time and just the, 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 just the things that over and over, things that, so many things that's happened that we've forgotten already. This just was amazing at the time. And, and we just, we've already forgotten the things that we don't, that we don't plan anything. 
Like God is in control. God is the one building this house. That's why when, and at the end of the day, what happens in here on Sunday mornings, I mean, with the worship and the band and the music and the preaching, at the end of the day, if, if, if it's not God building up the house, if the Spirit of God is not here and the presence of God is not here, it's all worthless. It's all pointless. Because I promise you, I'm not, please keep coming back to the church even though you're hearing all these truths. Like, I'm genuinely, I'm not being funny. Like, I'm not that smart. Like, I'm not that holy. I'm not that righteous. I'm not, I can't, all I can do is depend on God and let his presence be here with us. Because when his presence is here and his holy word is being preached and lives change, that's just the way that it works. When God is involved, people's lives, they change. All right, and I'm not... I'm not in control of that. I can't duplicate that. I can't make that happen. I mean, I just can't do it. And some of the most, you would be so surprised. And again, please, just, some of the people come up, that was the best sermon I've ever heard. Sometimes, not a lot, but sometimes. That's the best. And it's usually the ones when I'm just like, man, I'm not going to tell them I prepared that 47 seconds before I preached it. That's not true. I have a lot of planning to do it. But it's like, I'm not going to tell them that like, I was super busy this week and I, I really didn't get to to plan it that much, and that I thought that it was the worst message on the planet, because God just does that every now and then just to remind me that, dude, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not that cool, I'm not that great, I'm not that smart, that the, the greatest thing I ever learned in my life was how stupid I really am, and that it's all about God. And we, we had a guy ask us, you know, we did a little interview, and he asked us a question, he said, you know, what, you know, what do you think what do you think is the, you know, the reason that God's just moving? Or what do you think that, that you know, why the church is growing? What do you think? And, and in their own way, every single leader answered the question because there is a dependency on God. There's a de it's real easy to be dependent on God when you have a leader like me because they know they can't depend on me. But at the end of the day, that was what, that, that's what my answer, that was what all the other leaders, that was their answer. There's a dependency on God to build the house. Unless God builds the house. The labors, they, they labor in vain, whether that's your life, that's your family, that's this church. God is in control. And, and it just comes down to the point where you have to have that revelation in your heart and in your mind that God is in control and that you are not in control. Despite your greatest effort and your greatest desire, you are not in control. It starts with a desire. It starts with a desire for God to be in control of your life. And I want to read you something that Paul read. When pa Paul spent a lot of time with the Ephesians, on the Ephesians, and he considered them and their pastor Timothy to be very close to them. And, and, he, and he read these words, and it's, it's, it's pretty important that we really understand this. In Ephesians chapter 1, it's going to be up there, starting in verse 17, he says, I do not cease to give thanks. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I do not cease to give thanks for you, talking about the Ephesians, remembering you in my prayers. And here it is. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. The Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward those to us who believe? I just want to teach you something real fast. 
I think I read this and I'm just like, God got the bad end of the deal. Look at this. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you, that you may know what is the hope to which he, Christ, that he has called you. What are the riches of his, Christ's glorious inheritance in the saints? Christ's great and glorious inheritance is who? Read it. The saints. You are the great and glory inheritance of his inheritance. It means that Christ gets the glory. Christ gets the glory from taking your life, a sinner. The Bible says we're sinners, that we're hostile towards God, that we are prideful and that we are arrogant and that, that we are control freaks of nature and that we are disobedient and that we, we chase after the sins of the flesh and that we love sin far more than we love God. Like that is our heart. That is, that's who we are in nature. And God gets, Christ gets all the glory because Christ turned me. Now, I'm not going to speak for you. You may be perfect. I'm not going to speak for you, but I remember who I was. I remember that I was a liar. I remember that I was a thief. I remember what I was addicted to. I remember how I was broke. I remember who I was. I remember how I thought. I remember the, the vile thoughts that I had in the deepest dark part of my heart. I remember the evil that I did. I remember what I was sown to. I remember. I remember who I was. Now, now, you may not remember, or you may not believe, or you may not think, but I stand on this stage right now, and I tell you, I remember who I was, and now I know who I am. Now I know that I am righteous and that I am holy before God, not by my power, because of the power of Jesus Christ who saved me. Jesus Christ is the great builder. He's the great architect. And his great inheritance and his great, the glorious inheritance that he will receive is you. The fact that he took you and who you were and he made you who you were supposed to be. He took you who were dark and he made you light. He took you who were unrighteous and he made you righteous. He took you who were disobedient and he made you obedient. He took you the liar and he made you filled with truth. He took you the luster and he made you be intimate. He took you, he replaced your hatred with love. He built up the house of your life. He took you from your brokenness and he made you whole again. Right? That's Jesus Christ. Right? That's the great inheritance that he has. And see, let me tell you why the arrogant of us, let me tell you the arrogance in humanity is that there are some people and you're sitting in the seats right now and you are thinking that you are just fine, but you are not fine. You are broken. You are filled with desires of evil. And you may not think it, you may not want to know it, but you know it says that the heart condemns you. In this moment right now, the Bible says the heart condemns you because you know you may never confess it to me, you may never confess it to your spouse, you may never confess it to Jesus Christ, although I pray that you do, but your heart will condemn you in this moment because in this very moment your heart knows the truth of who you are and therefore you know the truth of who you are. You know that you are broke. You know that you have sin in your life. You know that that's who you are. And it's God, through the power of Jesus Christ, that builds you up to be the righteous sons and daughters of God. He's the one that builds you up, not me. And this is why Paul prays this prayer. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul's saying, listen, I can't do a thing for you. I can't change you. I can't mold you. I can't fix you. I can't make, turn you from a liar into, I can't, basically, I can't turn you from a sinner into a saint. All I can do at the end of the day is pray. 
that the God of our Father Jesus Christ gives you the spirit of knowledge and gives you the spirit of revelation so that you will know him, so that you will desire him, so that you will come after him, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he called you, what are the riches and the glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him on the right hand in the heavenly places, far above the rule and the authority and the power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in all the ages to come. He put all things under his feet, and he gave him as head over the things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus Christ is the great king, architect, and builder of our lives. And you, the only decision, the only decision that you need to make is whether or not you will humble yourself before him as the builder. First in salvation. If you're in this room this morning and you know in your heart and you know in your life he is not the king of your world. You've gone to church your whole life. I do not care. If he is not the king and the... And, and, and the father and the architect and the planner of your life, if he is not your savior, all right, you are lost and you need Jesus Christ in your life. First in salvation and second to the believers, who is which Paul is talking to in this moment. He says to the believers, I want you to know right, that he is the one that's building up your life. And you need to humble yourself before him. Desire that God will give you more intimate knowledge, whatever it needs, more intimacy with God, that God will break through the barrier of your life, that God will break through the lies and the deceit of your life, that God will break through the control and the arrogance and the pride in your life, that you are the king and the builder of your life when you absolutely are not. It's all on God to do that. You know what God says our job is? To ask for it. You have not because you ask not, and you ask not because you desire not. Matthew 7, it's not going to be up there. He says this. You've heard it a thousand times. Most of the time you've heard it out of context, but he says this. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks you for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Taylor, you can go ahead and come up here. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. That's Jesus Christ's promise to you. If you desire more of God, ask, and you will have more of God. If you want to know God more, knock on the door, and it will be opened. If you want to find, if you want to know, if you want to go seek him and you will find him. That's the promise of God. Jesus Christ says, if you want more of God, simply ask. You know, I love this because it says, 
you don't have to, to believe at all, even in the beginning. You don't, have to, you don't have to just one day just be somebody totally different. He says, listen, do you want more of God? You're not gonna wake up one day and be Billy Graham. You're not gonna wake up one day and be Mother Teresa. Yeah? Forget all that junk. It's a process. You want more of God, you ask God for more of God. You want God to be the builder of your life. You're tired, because I think a lot of you are. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I think a lot of you are tired. That's why you're so stressed. It's why you're depressed. It's why you have so much anxiety you can't even think because you're trying, you think that, you think that it's on you. I'm not gonna speak for you, that's me. That's why it's on me. That's why I can't sleep at night sometimes because there's some arrogance in me that thinks that it's on me and it's not on me, it's on God. You want more of God. You want God to be the builder. Ask for God to be the builder of your house. You want God to be the, the architect of your family and your children and your future. You ask him to be the architect. And he says, if you ask, you will receive. Everyone who asks receives. He's talking about the deep, dark, I mean the deep, just the depths of the knowledge of God. That's what he's, that's what he's saying. Seek and you will find. There's a lot of people in this room. You have not because you ask not and you ask not because at the end of the day, honest with yourself. You don't desire more of God. You're totally 100% cool with having the four walls and the stairs to nowhere. I mean, think about that house I described. We all laughed at it at the beginning, but how many of you have been through times in your life when that, that house described your life? Had stairs, but they went to nowhere. Saw a door, but couldn't get to it. Had a room, you knew there was light, but you couldn't turn it on. You know there's power in the house, but you just can't seem to find it. It's just a little bit of chaos. You got a house, you got a life. You're building it up, but at the end of the day, you're looking around and you're going, this just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm gonna challenge you this morning. I'm gonna challenge you. If you want more of God, ask him for more. If you know in your heart and your mind right now in this moment, that Jesus Christ is not the King of your life, Lord and Savior, and you want to make him that this morning, ask him to come into your heart and to your life, and he will save you. Let me tell you something, though. I just I want to leave with this. There's so many people. You're going to leave here today, and you may even think, man, that's a, that was a good message. He laughed a lot. He didn't make us read a lot. And you're going to go and you're going to venture off and life is going to be the same. But I'm going to ask those of you that do that a lot, I'm going to ask you, think in your heart and think in your mind over the course of your life, who do you want directing your life? You who have no clue? Somebody else who has no clue or the architect with the plans? Who do you want directing the course of your life? Who do you want building your house? Dude, I'm telling you, I want God to direct my life. Because if it's up to me, I'm going to build that weird house of no use. You guys will stand with me. I pray, Lord God, right now that you'll let your spirit rest in this room, God. Lord Father, I pray, Lord God, right now that you will just consume the hearts and the minds of your people, God. In a few seconds, we're about to sing a song. No one is higher than our God. No one is higher than our God. And I know there's a lot of people in this room, they believe that. 
And I'm asking you, Father God, as we sing that song, as, as we pray, if some come down to the front or they stay in their seat and pray, God, as, as we, I believe with all my heart, God, I believe with all my heart that there is truly no one higher than you. You are the great architect. You are the great planner. You are the great builder. And I pray, Lord God, that as people humble themselves before you this morning, as they ask, as they, as they start to seek, as they start to knock, Lord God, that you will stand true to your promise and that you will give to those who seek you this morning. I pray, Lord God, that there will be people here that leave with that revelation and that knowledge of the greatness of the power in Christ that works in us, Lord God, that we know the hope, the great and glorious hope that we've been called for, Lord God, that, that if we are a liar, we don't have to remain a liar. We are deceitful. We don't have to remain deceitful, Lord God. If we are, if we have not been saved, if we are still that old self, that old person, and we don't have to remain that way, if we just humble ourselves before you and ask, you will change us, God. And I pray, Lord, for the families in this church. I pray, Lord God, right now that you will put your hands on the individual families of our church, Lord God, that you will reign supreme in their heart and their life, Lord God, that you will unite them in a belief, Lord God, that you are the great and holy King of kings. I pray, Lord God, right now that you will just let your spirit begin to turn and to work and to mold at the hearts and the minds of husbands and the hearts and the minds of, of wives and the hearts and the minds of fathers and mothers and parents, Lord God, that you would just begin to churn and work in that great way that you do, Lord God, to mold us into who you want us to be. God, I pray, Lord, right now for just the, this church, Lord God, as we move into the future, Lord God, that you will reign supreme as king, Lord God, that you will be God. I pray, Lord, right now, don't, don't let us build it, Father God. Don't let, us, don't let us dare step in and build this, Lord God. Let you build it. You open up the doors you want us to go through. Slam shut the doors you don't, Father God, that you will build up our house physically and spiritually and emotionally, Lord God, that you will be the builder of this house, the builder of this church, the builder of this great, amazing group of people. You will build us up, God. You will be the king. I pray, Lord God, right now, finally, for this week, Lord, that you will let your spirit draw people into this room next week, Lord God. I pray, Father, as people give their hearts to you, Lord God, as people baptize and show their, just their public love for you, Lord God, as they, as they stand before a crowd and they, as you asked us to be baptized, Lord God, as they give their heart to you internally and they, and they show it publicly that they are followers of Christ, Lord, that you would just let your spirit rest in this place, Lord God. I pray, Lord, let Easter be what it's supposed to be, a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the change lives that have taken place, Lord God. I pray, Lord, for anybody dealing with baptism, Lord God, that they're starting to put it in their heart and their mind and their questions, Lord, just let them go forward. Let them drop all their pride, Father, and just let them step forward and be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that you will just move, God. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to bring life to this church, Lord God that you will continue to change lives, you will continue to heal marriages, you will continue to put people on the path they're supposed to be on. God, I pray, Lord, right now that you will just begin to move in ways you've never moved before. I pray, Lord God, as we sing this song, God, just let your spirit rain down on us, Father, as we worship you. I thank you, God, for all you've done, all you will do in your holy and your precious name. Amen. The altar's open. Let's just worship.